It is great to be in the house to worship today. Kids, the kids going downstairs. They're like, yes. Figured Adam would try to go with them. Not really. Adam, you can you can do communion next week. Since I messed that up. As soon as he as soon as you said that, I'm like, yeah, I remember Trevor saying that. Now. It worked out fine. Yeah, it did work out. It worked out great. So uh, speaking of working out, I don't do that very much, but actual uh, things working out. I got a text uh, a few days ago, and it said, hey, buddy, you preaching? And I was like, yeah, I'm preaching. Uh, The next two Sundays. And then it hit me all at once. I was like, you want another one? And he said, yeah, so Scott's going to preach in another Sunday. So that's a, me too. No, but it's a blessing for somebody to step out of their comfort zone and take it and have, uh, out of faithfulness, because my sermon's on faithfulness today, out of faithfulness, want to do it again? You know, being loyal, faithfulness. That's what um, God has led me to talk about today is faithfulness. Um, And when I did this, I I got to thinking, well, what is really faithfulness? Uh, Anytime I think of faithfulness, and probably most of you might think of it the same way, is is marriage, all right? Faithfulness in, in marriage. And I know there's some marriages that have went a long, long, long time in this church, right? Long time. Uh, My grandma and grandpa, Pat and Chad, how many years is that? 62. 103 (laughs) grandpa Chad years. So that's that's a lot. That's a lot of years. I'm, uh, me and Tiffany's 22. I only know that because it's 2022. We got married in 2000. (laughs) <laughs> but faithfulness. We, we, we look at the picture of marriage, and um, actually when you think about marriage, it's built upon the faithfulness that Christ has with us, that love. So it really got me, really, really, really got me thinking of why faithfulness is important in relationships. And it's not just our relationships with one another, but it's also our relationships with God. So who should we model our faithfulness after? I mean, 62 years, should I model faithfulness after my grandpa and grandma? And I'm sure all of you know others that have been married maybe even longer, right? Should you model your faithfulness after them? I want you to know that people aren't perfect, right? Because of sin. That dirty word and sin. When I started saying that, I started thinking about. It. I had a lesson this morning with kids, with uh, with our um, our young men here. Some of them already left and ran out on me. But when you think of sin, 
and, and faithfulness. We got a, in a big discussion about desire. And desire, desire is one thing that we all have. Every one of us has a desire for something. And some of those desires are bad. Some of them are good. But we all have desires. Sin comes in when we have those temptations and those bad desires and we act upon them. So how do we be faithful and overcome our own desires? And who do we model that after? Because as humans, we have desires, and I, I hate to say it, but we act upon them sometimes, and it becomes sin. Faithfulness, if I'm going to model faithfulness, everybody, I mean, most of you are probably going to think, well, he's talking about God, and, and you're right, right? We should model our faithfulness after God, because faithfulness, one, is part of God's character. Psalms uh, 89, verse 8, and I'm going, to, I'm going to go through quite a few Bible verses, so those of you that are writers... You might just want to write, write that Bible verse down because I'm probably going to have another one here in a second, another one. Um, not as prepared as Scott was, like putting them all on the screen because Corey would be mad at me and he'd, he'd probably broke his finger back there hitting the button so much. Um, so 89 verse 8, O Lord, God Almighty, who is like you, you are almighty, O Lord, and your faithfulness surrounds you. So the psalmist painted a picture of God with faithfulness surrounding him. That's what we should be striving toward. So my question is, why do we doubt God? Faithfulness surrounds him. I want everyone to remember that God is not a person. Yes, he, he came to earth fulfilled in Jesus Jesus was man and God, and fully God. Everybody has to understand that. He walked this earth. He went through all the same things that we did, but he was still fully God. So we have to understand that he's not just a part. He's, he's God. He is a perfect God. When we say faithfulness, he's not going to let us down. didn't say we're going to have an easy life. That's not what faithfulness means. But he is going to be with you through all of it. The good, the bad. I always tell students when I'm teaching them, God's with you even when you do the things you shouldn't do. Think about that for a second. Think about the things that you've done in your life. It runs through my head that when I was doing that stupid thing, guess who was with me? God. And of course, if we're going to look at our faithfulness and, and strive to put our faithfulness around somebody, we have to think about Jesus because God demonstrated his faithfulness through Jesus. He sent his one and only son to this earth to endure the pain, the struggles, the temptations that, that we all endure and to die a death that we can't even think of. Galatians 4, 4 through 7 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. 
So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if, if a child, then also a heir through God. So faithfulness, he sent his son, his one and only son. As a father, it would be hard for me to give up my son. It would be really hard. But he did it because he understood that this life is not just this life. There are over 300 prophecies in the Bible, over 300 that point to Jesus, that Jesus fulfilled. That's a lot. That means hundreds to thousands of years before Jesus was born. God gave people the wisdom that it was going to happen. God gave them and influenced them to write down things that were going to happen, giving us this roadmap. Yes, we were all born into sin. We all have sinful natures. And we're all going to die on this earth. But because of Jesus, if you've accepted Jesus, you don't have to have the second death, which is separation from him. So that leads me to this. If I'm supposed to look to God for how, what faithfulness is supposed to look like, then how do I experience God's faithfulness? The first part is, if you're truly looking toward God, truly, truly looking toward God, let me ask this question. Is there something you can count on 100% of the time in this world? Can you count on your car to start up 100% of the time? No. Can you count on any material thing 100% of the time? No. Can you count on your friends and family 100% of the time? Tough one there, right? No, because we're human. The only thing we can count on 100% of the time is God. So I've been studying this this week. Um, actually, the past couple of weeks, I've been in the book of Jeremiah and referring back to Lamentations also and looking at the life of Jeremiah and how it actually comes into, into our lives and kind of compiling all that. I have, a, I have this neat men's Bible that that breaks down a lot of stuff and gives me, uh, gives me a way to study because I've been t- teaching our kids downstairs about the Bible and how it's not just about reading it. We actually have to dive into it a little bit to get to know it a little better, all right? So it got me and drug me into this Jeremiah spot. And Jeremiah was put in a, a, a really a bad, bad place, we might think, but it was actually the exact right place because God put him there, all right? He was put, um, he was given information to take to the king um, that nobody wanted to listen to him. So, you know, the Israelites were, uh, Jerusalem was destroyed, all right? Um, I also read that when Jeremiah wrote Lamentations, um, you could just imagine him weeping. 
right? The sorrow. Because Jerusalem was destroyed. Because the people wouldn't listen to God. Could you imagine the discouragement? I'm sure each and every one of us has had something in our lives that didn't go right, and you became discouraged, and you asked God why. That's normal. That is normal. But in order to experience God's faithfulness, we have to look at the big picture. So Lamentations 3, 22 through 24 Starting in verse 22. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. So in saying that, I said Jeremiah had warned them. They didn't listen. He was actually thrown in prison Um, Babylon destroyed Jerusalem. What I want to say is that God isn't always going to take away your source of discouragement. All right? We're going to go through some things in this life. We have to remain faithful through it because he's going to be with us, but he's not going to stop bad things from happening. He's not going to stop... um, This is going to be tough to say, but he's not going to stop you from sinning and putting yourself in these bad situations. You get to make that choice. All right? Even though you screw up and you do things, he loves us and he's, you're going to have to face the consequences. That's just, that's just it. There's always earthly consequences. He's always going to be with you, though. He's going to be with you through those. He's going to bring you out. So I brought up doubt before. If we're going to seek God's faithfulness, why do we, I mean, and we see that God is faithful and it encompasses him. It's all around him. And we believe in Jesus. I'm going to speak to all of you who are, have accepted Christ in this room. If you accepted Christ in this room, I'm speaking to you right now. Have you ever doubted your salvation? And my question would be why? Where does that doubt come from? Or have you had a friend that's doubted theirs? First John chapter five, verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Why do we doubt salvation? If we know that we have eternal life. Again, I'm speaking to all of you who've accepted Christ as your Savior. Why do we doubt it? John wrote these words um, to the church because 
there were some people in the church and we're talking about circumcision and things like that that were trying to put these extra rules upon people. Why do we doubt our salvation though? How does this verse give you confidence in Christ? To know that if you believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know you have eternal life. Those of you who have accepted Christ, who say that you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, you confessed your sins to God. You repented of those sins. You followed Him in obedience of baptism. What do you have to be worried about? Yes, we pick up our cross every day, and we do our best not to sin. And gradually, sometimes it's like this, you change, but sometimes that change takes a little bit of time. I want you to know that it takes faithfulness to know. It takes faith. It takes a loyalty to God to know that you're saved. Now, when you're tempted, so I've talked a lot, I talked about temptation this morning, and I'm bringing it back up. When you're tempted, there's temptations every day in our lives. We turn on the TV, you're tempted, all right? Somebody tells a bad joke, you're tempted. You smash your thumb, you're tempted, all right? You, you want to tell this little lie, or you want to, I mean, I could go through, there's, I mean, you want the big ones? Sexual immorality, drugs and alcohol. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of things out there that are bad, right? But when you're tempted, and we're talking about being faithful, I want you to know that you have to understand that God is faithful to you and he's going to be with you even when you're tempted. Think about the trials that you're carrying, all right? What have you went through? What are you struggling with right now? The sins of the flesh, past sins that you don't think you're, that you're forgiven for, all right? What about present sins? Here's my question. What is Satan trying to accomplish in your life? What is he trying to accomplish in your life? Because you know he's, he's trying. You have to identify that and know that if you believe in the true faithfulness of God, he's right there with you. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 says this, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. We're talking about spiritual warfare here, all right? If you've accepted Jesus and you, and you are walking the walk and talking the talk and doing your best every day, God's gonna be there to protect you. He's gonna follow you. He's gonna be there with you. Spiritual warfare is real. And our greatest defense is God's faithfulness. Listen, Satan is powerful, all right? Your sinful nature is powerful, but it's not God powerful. It's not Jesus powerful. God's going to give you strength to overcome your temptations. There's something I wanted to do here. Hey, can I borrow can I borrow your water bottle? Hmm. Adam, come on. 
Let's just, everybody will like this more. Here, Adam, you just stand here. I don't know. Don't drink your water. Just hold that right there. Just like that. All right? Dr. Pepper, by the way. It's Dr. Pepper? Yeah. I don't care. I don't care what it is. All right, just hold that. Thanks, Adam. Um, so, how can I be faithful when life is tough? Is that thing heavy? Not yet. Okay. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, because you know that this testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. So if we're going to face tough trials and we're going to stay faithful to God, we have to remember a few things. One is, do I have you yet? <laughs> Anybody know how much? How many, somebody raise your hand tell me how much you think this bottle weighs. Anybody? Guess what? It doesn't matter. You know what matters? It's how long Adam has to hold it here. Because if he holds this thing a few more minutes, he's probably going to be all right. But if we get up there 10 minutes, he ain't going to be all right. All right? Okay? He's thinking about switching hands already. Go ahead, switch hands. It'll still take a long time, though. No, I'm just messing with you. All right? But anyway, no matter. All right? Let's see. I don't want to make somebody scared. Keep going. Tom. So, Tom, you're Jesus. You got it? Sure. <laughs> Just for this. Well, would it be a lot easier for him to hold it if you helped him hold it? Probably. What if, what if you just let go of it and let, let Jesus hold it? Would that make it easier on you? So, thanks. Thanks. You guys sit down. So, we have a lot of things happen in our life and a lot of temptation, a lot of sin, a lot of desires. And when we, when we take these things, these bad things that we do and other people do to us or happens to us in our lives and we hold on to them, life starts to get tough, right? If we don't let the shroud of faithfulness around God, our Savior Jesus Christ, if we don't let those things be held by him, life continues to get tough. We're going to run a race. We don't need to hold all the extra baggage is what I'm saying. So as, as, as we go out throughout our lives, we have to let Jesus hold some of this stuff. Okay? It's important. You're going to get bogged down by life if you don't let Jesus hold some of this stuff. Because I, get, I guarantee you this statement, I want you to know this, and some of you, it might make some of you mad, but it's okay. Life's trials have a purpose. Everything that you go through, even the bad, God makes them good. He doesn't make the bad, all right? But bad things are going to happen, and God makes it good. He, he will, if you allow him to take it, 
you're going to be all right. You have to let God take it because he will not abandon you. Listen to this. It's, and a lot of you are going to know this verse. Isaiah 43, 1 and 2. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, I will not sleep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. So what's promised in this verse? One thing I want you to notice here is it doesn't say if you pass through the waters or the rivers, if you pass through the waters, if you pass through the rivers. It doesn't say if you walk through the fire. It says what? When. It's going to happen. When. So why not let him take care of it? Why not let him hold the water? Why not let him hold your mistakes? Why not let him hold the mistakes that others have made toward you? Why not let him hold it? Because all things, all things of this earth and all things that God does, say this, all things that God does is working for your good. He will take the bad and make it good. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know that all things of God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God, your comfort and success is not God's priority. That might sting a little. Do we got it? That's not God's priority. God's priority is to make you more like Jesus. Was Jesus always comfortable? No. Wow. Okay. Now, I'm going to say this. If there's anyone in this room who has not accepted Christ, I'm going to share something with you. It's called the gospel. Okay? And the gospel is this, that God, who made everything, Jesus was there with him in the beginning, and all things that were created were spoke through him, and that's Jesus that I am speaking of as God's son. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the fiery furnace, guess who was with them? All right? Who held the mouths of the lions shut for Daniel? In the lion's den. Whether you know those stories or not, these are redemption things of Jesus before he was ever placed upon this earth, where he ever came to this earth. God sent him to save us because it was the only way that we could be with him to have eternal life. The only way was through him. And he came and he lived a life. He was born of the Virgin Mary. I'll tell the Christmas story, right? He lived a life where he did not sin. Uh, he was tempted better than any of us have ever been tempted. Has anybody ever been taken to the top of a mountain and said you can have everything? I have not. Okay? True. I would have failed. Do we got it? He overcame all of that. He performed numerous miracles. This Jesus that I'm talking about, the Son of God, and then he was crucified by you and me. 
crucified. And I hate to say this, but I pile things on him daily. He died for you and me, and he arose on the third day to sit, and then after some time, he went, or actually arose into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, 40 days. Um, all of this so that we could be with him, all right? All of this so those bad things that you've done, he takes them away. He changes you. When you accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit enters you and changes you. And sometimes it's like that, like I said before, and sometimes it takes time. It takes time. You immediately start to change, though, I'm telling you. So if you haven't accepted Christ, I'm spreading the gospel with you, and I'm only doing that because my next point is this. As a church group, right? So there's two different groups in this room right now. There is a group of people who have accepted Christ, and you are citizens of heaven. And, and the faithfulness of God surrounds you. And there's a group of you that have not accepted Christ yet. Right? And that's okay. I'm, it's awesome that you're here. And he's here with you. But guess what? He's calling your name. All right? And as a church, as a church, each and every one of us should be talking to those people. Right? Because we want them to be one of us. Our job as a church is to be faithfulness to God, faithful to God, and that's to be loyal to God. Wherever we go, whatever we do, and I'm not perfect. I'm telling you right now, um, I don't know, any of my friends, I've said bad things, I've done bad things. Come on, I'm not. And we're all in the same boat. But I'm telling you right now, Jesus washed away my sins. The Holy Spirit lives in me. I, I was speaking with Scott a few before he preached, and, and I talked about, there's things that I say when I speak that I don't even remember what I said when I get done with them, okay? Because it wasn't me speaking. It was God putting things in me to give to you. Because if it's me, you're all in trouble. If anything I've said here today, whoo, not good, okay? As a church group, we have to do our part for Christ. We can't just sit in these pews and do nothing. We're talking faithfulness here. As a group, how do we remain faithfulness, faithful to God? We have to do our part. We have to work together, right? And we have to protect our community. These are all important things that we have to do as a group. Can I get an amen? And... Of course, I did a lot of faithfulness here. If you are a citizen of heaven and you make a mistake and you've been unfaithful to Christ or you've been unfaithful to a friend or you've, been, you've just been unfaithful, you need to repent, change your ways and return to your first love. So in speaking to the group of you that is saved, that has accepted Christ, Repent, change your ways, and return to Jesus. And speaking to those of you that haven't accepted Christ yet, He loves you. He wants you. And I'm not saying life's going to be perfect, and He never said life's going to be perfect. He just said He would never leave you. 
He is the perfect Father. Now, I know today I've jumped all over the place, everywhere. But God laid it on my heart to tell you guys that He will be faithful. And He wants you to be faithful. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And as a church, we should guide ourselves to look like that. As a person, a citizen of heaven, we should look like that. And I think that that we have a lot of work to do. Because the Jesus that I've told you about today, that gospel that I shared, is every person in his job who's accepted Christ, that's your job to do too. It's to share that same story. The story of your Savior. How he changed your life. That's what gets people here. And whether they come here or to any other church, that's what we want. We want people in the pews. We want people in the chairs. Or sitting on the ground in a house somewhere. I don't know. We want people learning about Jesus. So as my, the musicians come back here, but they're not my musicians, our fantastic PHCC music group comes up. Let's remember that God will be faithful always. And we should strive each and every day of our life to do the same. So if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, this will be our time of invitation. If you've accepted him and, and you've got some stuff going on and you need, to, you need to change, come up here. We'll pray with you. If you haven't accepted Jesus, there's no time better than now. I sound like one of them old-time preachers, right? But that's the truth, okay? The truth is if you haven't buried yourself in the watery grave of baptism, the time is now because you might not get another breath, another second. You might not. And I'm not going to judge you. I don't know where your heart's at with God. But now's the time. If you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, if you believe that, if you believe the book, the truth, when I said gospel, I should have said truth. When you believe the book and you believe the one who wrote it, it's time. It's time for you to take that step and it's time for you to tell the story as I have because it doesn't matter what you've done. You can tell the story. The bad things that you've done in your life, it doesn't matter. God covers them up and you can tell the story of how God changed you. Maybe you just need some prayer. If you just need some prayer, come up and we'll pray with you. Before we start, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for the great things you've done for us, and we thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, I ask that you make us more like you. You draw us near to you. I pray that each and every day, as we leave this church, Lord, that we're still the church, that we don't look different. We look different from the world, but we don't look different from the way we looked in here. I pray that if there's a person in this room that hasn't accepted you, Lord, that you fill their heart with you that you soften their hearts if they're hardened and you bring them here. Lord, there's no better time than today and I just thank you for being my God and I thank you for sending Jesus. 
I pray for each and every person in this room and I pray for our minister who's, who's getting some rest and relaxation. I pray that you bring him back and his family back, Lord. And I pray that, I pray that we glorify your name and that we just bring others to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.